Welcome to the Marketing Automation Hustle Podcast, where we break down the essential strategies of email marketing and automation to help e-commerce brands hyper-personalize their customer journey and increase sales on autopilot. So get ready to automate your marketing like a pro with Sendlane's brand marketing manager and your host, Caitlin Hutchinson. Hey guys, welcome back to the Marketing Automation Hustle. We're on episode two. We have Jimmy Kim here again, Sendlane CEO. He's back to talk to us a little bit about Sendlane. Hi, Jimmy. How's it going? Hello, hello. So last time on episode number one, we chatted more about you personally, your personal story as an entrepreneur and kind of the very beginning of Sendlane. But I kind of want to give our listeners a better idea of what Sen- what Sendlane is they might already be a customer and be really familiar, but if we have any listeners who are like, what the heck is Sendlane? I kind of want to give them a better idea of what our product does. Sure. So can you give a little brief explanation and kind of dumb it down a little bit of what we do? Sure. Uh, the simplest way of saying what we do right now is we're a hyper-focused uh, product that helps content creators and e-commerce brands send emails email marketing automation, and it ties in from your web to your social to your uh, communication side. So, So, But it's more, I think what we really should focus on first probably is the understanding that it is more than just drip campaigns and newsletters, that it's actually intelligent behavior-based automation. Basically putting people down a very customized experience based around their behaviors and their actions and purchase history. And it's all about segmentation and being able to drive that person to create an experience where someone comes into your store, for example, and based around the behavior, what they buy, what they look at, what they what their cart values are, being able to drive that experience based around each person, ultimately to not only uh, kind of engage them, but also to get them to buy again. So with that said, a pro. I would assume a lot of people probably think, well, there's a lot of different companies in this space. What is the differentiating factor for Senlane from all the other guys? We mentioned, you know, the monkey guy and all the other guys that are pretty popular. What makes Senlane better or different? Sure. There's I think better and different is uh, it's subjective. Uh, I think it really depends on what you're looking for. Um, as far as better, I believe things like easier to use and a product that's more robust than you may find from one of our competitors. Uh, you know, we like to say that we're bringing an enterprise grade type of product down to the mass marketable area where an SMB or a mid market company who may not generally be able to afford a large product like ours can have access to it. Then we eliminate all the technical faucets and so forth. And I think the bigger thing about the differentiation side right now today, uh, you know, we're a startup, so we haven't gone to that part of the pinnacle where we really want to get but today's differentiation is really around our support uh you know when you work with SaaS companies or other companies in the space the number one thing that people always complain about is the lack of support or lack of guidance or lack of being able to communicate with somebody inside the company and it's just because a lot of companies aren't focused like we are about the support we're a customer centric company and when we say that is we look at the customer as our number one thing they pay the bills we serve them we are here to make sure that they're our number one in the air and anything that they need we want to try to facilitate and make sure that we're taken care of so support being the number one driver today I mean that's why we run I think right now last meeting we did was like a 33 second response time 24 hours a day and that's 
unheard of and especially if people found out how small our team actually is super impressive it's actually really impressive people and really knowledgeable people not just that we respond quickly but people that actually understand yeah the and, product and we're and not outsourcing customer. it we're not over in india we're <clears> not and nothing wrong with that by the way it just we're just not over there because we believe that we need to nurture the people to yeah. be able to respond to they're actually need. all upstairs right yeah now, actually exactly San Diego. yeah so yeah, I think those are the things that we'd like to think about is where we sit differently and what our differentiations are today. Awesome. So we kind of touched a little bit on the beginning of Sendlane, but you did mention in the last episode that at some point you went all in on Sendlane. You had other things you were focused on, other businesses that you were focused on. What made you feel like Sendlane was worth giving all your time to? Sure. I think I think it's important to go back a little bit because there's different things that kind of happen in like our mindset around everything. So when we opened up the brand in 2015 and we've opened it up to public, right? We're a small team, still development team was small. Our team in general was really small and we didn't have much going on. But what we did do was we understood early on exactly what we like to call what they call in the business of product to market fit, which is how a product is able to facilitate and serve a problem, right? So early on, you know, coming from the content creator affiliate world a bit, we had great product market fit early on because we knew exactly what our customers wanted mm-hmm. and we already built it. So our first iteration of our platform when we released in 2015 was no different than our competitors. It was just a product that did uh, mass campaigns and drip emails. I mean, we did exactly well, that. you're primarily using it for your own Correct. businesses. Correct. And that's kind of like how we started off. And it did a little bit of functionality here and there, all based around what we needed for our other businesses. So we're always developing around our own businesses. So the biggest thing that made it really successful successful early on was the fact that we were our own customers. We were the number one client of our own brand. And what that drives is a use case desire to build features that are all around. What can I do in my company to make myself more money? And how do I build that into Mm -hmm. another company? So it wasn't built around an idea and theory. It wasn't built around just a simple problem, but it was built around what was actually going on in our businesses. And, Mm -hmm. you know, our other businesses were all doing, you know, between all of us, we're doing a couple million dollars or more each in our businesses. And that was enough of a driver for us. It was more like real-time problem-solving using this tool you created. Exactly. So the tool was designed for us, and we continued to design it for us. And so that story goes on for the first two years, and we ended up in 2016, started bringing development in-house. We were outsourced before because that's what you do in your early stage. And we were basically starting to bring people into the company as well, too, so we can start marketing it, start getting sales and so forth into it. So what made you go from just using it for yourselves to being like, hey, this is actually pretty awesome. I think we could get people to purchase this. Yeah, so that comes into our second iteration in 2017. I think it was July or August of 2017. We launched our second iteration, which was like that behavioral-based side of things where Mm -hmm. it was more than just drips or emails, but like how these different actions and reactions cause different actions and how do you create that customized, personalized experience for everybody. And that's when our second iteration hit. And that was actually when my daughter was born. It was a really interesting year for me because my daughter was born that year. It was my first child. And then the second thing was just I was stressed out and tired at that point. I was running my e-commerce company. I was running my Snap Tactics, my software company. And then I was running this company. We were all jammed into one little office at the same time too. And I was trying to run all of these different things. And I think uh, I think the inner side of my voice was like, hey, if you do, you know, what, what's the saying? If you're a jack of all trades, you're a jack of none. Yeah. And I started to realize that I was trying to do all this trying to manage my hours and now I just added a layer to family on side of it, mm-hmm. right? And I was like, you know what? I can't do this. And then the second part of it was 
money, I guess, was an initial driver for why I wanted to start my own businesses. It truthfully is for almost everybody out there. But now I've changed my focus to money is not what drives me anymore. It's legacy and desire to leave an impact in the world. Mm -hmm. I think this comes from being a little bit older now. And, you know, and it doesn't mean that I have to impact the world, that my product goes out through the world and impacts it. Even if I'm impacting people, right? I'm empowering this business. I'm empowering an employee. the lives of your employees. Yeah, exactly. I'm impacting their lives and stuff. And I think what was cool was when I started to realize that like, what business has scale? What business has a future? And then what business can I actually impact the most people's lives in? And I think that was kind of the driver behind it as well too so that was 2017 that was the second iteration launch all these little factors came into play and then we uh, myself and zach who are kind of in the business every day uh we decided that we're going to go all in on the business and that's when we did in september of 2017 i decided to minimize uh sell off or uh get my other products acquired and then uh and then sell off my partnership to my clothing company as well too, my e-commerce company. Mm-hmm. And I jumped all in and that was kind of when things started to really take off in the company as well too, which I talked about in my last podcast about yeah. focus a little bit about why that was so important. But the moment I was able to stop and take all my ideas and bring them into one little central focus and focus on it, it changed the entire game of like what we're doing. And that's when the company started to take off. Because well, you put all your time in it. Yeah, I, I put mean, 100%. I experienced that too, yeah. being one of the, first Sunlane employees yeah. when a lot of your time was elsewhere. Yeah. Like it was obvious. It was a massive shift of yeah. like, Oh snap. Here comes <laughs> Jimmy and he's about to shake this up. Yeah. So hard. But I mean, that's also why we grew so fast and grew, uh, year over year without being, I mean, we started off bootstrapped as a company and that means if people don't know bootstrap means that you never took any outside capital, you invested your own time and reinvested it to grow the business. So being a bootstrap company and being able to grow as fast as we did was very impressive. And it was basically focused, right? When I put the focus into it, I saw all the holes, all the little problems we started to solve for them. And then we started to build a product. And then that's kind of what led to uh, 2018 and 2019 into our third iteration. And that's where now we are here today. And we still continue to build forward into a different market now as we kind of like, we've got content creators solved. It's where we're really good at right now. But unfortunately, we don't see the scale and mass to be able to grow there. And we wanted to open up a second vertical. And that's where e-commerce has come in, where Mm -hmm. it's now going to become our main vertical of what we serve and content creators will always be a place because there's always a place in my heart for e-commerce I mean for a content creator because that's where I came from yeah but reality is I know what can help us scale to the next level so yeah so going back to just when you first decided to launch Sendlane as a product that people could purchase how like what was your mindset just for people listening if you built this platform and then you're going to go out and try to sell it like where did you start? With my network, with my friends. So like with, all... Yeah, business friends, network. Back then, Facebook was still very relevant. I know it's still relevant today, but it's slowed down a little bit. So mm-hmm. Facebook was relevant. LinkedIn wasn't quite as relevant back then. Twitter was a little bit... I mean, Twitter was on the down. And uh, so, yeah, but Facebook is basically where out went out, plus our network. Our first... Mo- most our first customers originally were from... Uh, 
were from our friends and circle network. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of interesting. Well, then. between you and Onik, you had a lot of different people. Yeah, in, we in had a big network. network. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then that was my first part of the network. And then the second part of that was being a content creator. I actually created this course that sat around it and basically taught people how to do email marketing. Mm-hmm. And basically took that course and I was able to put like 20,000 people into it in the first year. Wow. And I basically fed Sendlane with users by basically teaching people who didn't know email marketing or knew it at a basic level, educating them and then being able to push them into a position where they're like, well, I learned from this guy. This guy obviously knows what he's talking about. Let's go ahead and buy his program and sign up for a free trial. And that's basically what draw, drove the first uh, first year of success on this company. So this was like you were selling this. This was a training that you Yeah. Did. Well, I wasn't selling Sendlane. I was selling a training. And then I was like, hey, by the way, if you, you know, all this training equates to this great tool that we've built. Mm-hmm. And you should go check it out and sign up for a trial. We were giving away like maybe like a two or three month trial period instead of the single 30 days. Uh-huh. And so we were just getting people engulfed into it and then trying to create the habit so that they would want to continue using it. Right. So that that's kind of where that is. And that's actually where we are leading towards again to kind of break into the e-commerce space, which we have e-com email academy coming out mm-hmm. where we'll be able to go out there and take all my e-commerce knowledge and email marketing, go out there and sell a product that's not platform Focus, but platform agnostic, I guess is what the word is that I'm looking for. And that will teach you a lot of stuff, but really that goodwill that you build when you're teaching somebody so much information about things that they don't know will always build a loyalty to you, which will always bring you to your company, which is Sendlane for me. And hopefully, and I hope, and uh, that they come in and, you know, enjoy the course, learn a lot, be able to take that to action. And the next time they're ready to change or make a change, they at least give us a try. And that's all I look for right there, right? So that's kind of where I'm focused at right now. And for anybody interested in e Com Academy. Do we do we know when we're gonna try to have that officially available? Yeah, August twenty sixth. So okay. I, I don't know when this podcast drops, but uh, it probably is a week or two away from when you guys might be hearing this. So you should definitely t- take a look around and find it when it comes out. Awesome. So since this podcast is, I mean, we're focused on business, we're focused on entrepreneurship, but also email marketing sure. and automation. How did you take Sendlane? as a tool, as a marketing automation tool and use it to push Sendlane or to nurture your leads and customers? Sure. I think it was all about how, when, so when a person would come into uh, the platform, it's all about giving them that personalized experience based around where they opted in from. Maybe they came in as a lead, maybe they came in as a uh, actual buyer and based around their habits by kind of like nurturing them through a journey. And that journey can take them through a lot of different paths based around what they're doing, what they've purchased. Maybe they made the purchase of the main product, but didn't make a purchase of an upgrade option that we might have or recommended, uh, recommended, uh, uh, upsell or something like that right uh-huh. so we were just kind of driving people to kind of i mean at the end of the day it was all the same it doesn't matter what what vertical you're in you're trying to maximize your roi right so you're trying to take the customer in whatever that costs you to bring that customer in and then trying to maximize their roi or their ltv which is a lifetime value of them so it was all correlated created around how to create that personalized experience to drive more roi by through content through great education and then through of course direct asks i mean you know asking them to exactly buy mm-hmm. of course too as well and I know right now we, I mean, it's a constant process. Like we're constantly making our email marketing better. We're constantly adjusting our automations to fit updates to our platform and whatnot. So right now you're working on 
rewriting a yeah. lot of our emails that we're using yep. to market to our just opt-ins, not even actual paid users yet. Yep. So since you're kind of the copywriting go-to guy around here, like how do you kind of look at writing an email? Because a lot of people probably don't even know where to start if they're trying to write this full automation series like where do you kind of start so i always start off i never start off just writing i start off by really dreaming up the flow and scenario and the number one thing i say is put yourself in the shoes of your customer right you should know your customer whatever your business is that's your business avatar right so that avatar is telling you who that customer it could be male 42 to 55 who generally makes a higher income, whatever that may be, right? And that's Mm -hmm. where the languages really change in copywriting. But really making sure that you're thinking about how do you work for them? How do you solve for them? How do you think about their solution? How do you get them? And you'll notice the trend is you, 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 or them, 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 them. And Mm -hmm. the, the reality is, When you're writing for anything, when I'm thinking about it, I'm thinking about how does this relate to them and how does this make them feel and how will you make them want to make the decision that you're asking them to do? So I actually talk about this in the course. It's the three E's of email. It's like, first, it's it's all about excitement, right? Mm -hmm. How do you excite them with a great subject line that they want to open? Then you talk about education in the middle and education being the content that drives in the middle of it. How do you tell the person what they're about to learn about, what they're about to buy, what they're about to solve? whatever that is and then the edify is the third one which is all about how do you get them to click how do you get them to go and do the thing that you want them to do so it's really an art i'm not saying that anyone can just go out there and just do it but it takes time to do it but it all starts with this whiteboard or a notepad or whatever it is and saying okay what's the experience supposed to be like okay great now that we know the experience let's cater that experience so that we can drive their thought process so Everything should be congruent, all right? So from the first email they get to the last email they get when they leave the company, there should be a congruent voice, a congruent tone. Mm-hmm. They should have a congruent experience throughout of it. And it's the goal is to just leave that mark so that when they walk away and they go to another company or whatever and they start getting these emails, they're like, what the heck is that? That doesn't even make any sense. And yeah. you know, when people realize that, they realize that there is a better, stronger way of doing this as well too. So we t- also talk a lot about hyper-personalization. So you kind of touched a little bit more on like the actual content of the emails and how you kind of strategize that. But as far as personalizing, not just the content, but the overall automation experience, what does that kind of mean for people that aren't really familiar with like segmentation and tagging? I know those are we can really get into it, but just a general overview. Sure. There's two two elements of personalization. There's the actual personalization, which is the physical TC, the, the ability to see that, right? So mm-hmm. like your name, your purchase history, something about you, some of the information and data we're collecting for the customer and then being able to regurgitate like that back. Like a visual. Back. Like a visual thing. So, so we like, know who you like, are. Like, hey, Caitlin, or hi, Caitlin, or built for Caitlin, or whatever. Looks like you're on an iPhone and you, know, you made a product purchase of this water cup and yada, yada, yada. So that's the first level of personalization. The bigger part of personalization is actually unseen. That's the behavioral based around personalization, right? When you're working in the behavior and elements of what they're actually doing in their everyday life, interacting with you and you're able to personalize that experience that's hyper personalization because the name and all that's great but really being able to cater to him and be able to talk to him i think i use the example of like uh i always use this example because it's near me it's my cell phone and i have a cell phone case and it's an iphone with a cell phone case but you know too many times and most people have experienced this they'll go off and buy a cell phone case from i don't know 
John's cell phone store. Mm -hmm. And then they'll start getting emails about the newest Android phone stores or the newest BlackBerry stores, whatever it may be. And I'm like, it makes no sense. Why are you sending me all this? It's because they're not personalizing that experience. So that's where we think about hyper-personalization. It's not just about the fact that you put the name in there and like some points in their data. Anyone can regurgitate that information. That's like databases to information getting pulled. It's how do you cater that experience and how do you make sure that that experience is experienced through not only the written word, but how you're communicating, what the content is around there and where you're driving them through their journey, mm-hmm. right? Everything has a buying cycle and it's all about how do you shorten that buying cycle. So you know who purchased what you know what they're on your website correct you know what they clicked on and you can send them down this path that's a hundred percent built for them correct and that makes them as a person feel like hey they care enough to like send me crap that or Mm -hmm. information that basically that i really like and then secondly it also is important to the person to realize that uh what's that called they're more likely to buy right that's the end goal right doesn't mean you're always going to get people to buy on it but it's proven over and over again through statistics and numbers that people are more willing to buy when they're experienced i think it's like six or seven times more likely Mm -hmm. to buy when a person is is uh is experienced a very personalized experience and I, I mean, you can relate this to anything. If you walk into a hotel room, if you walk into a hotel and you take in brick and mortar and you walk into a hotel and you're like, hey, Mr. Kim, welcome from Washington, D.C. And, uh, you know, I hope you enjoy your stay or whatever. And then you go upstairs and then they've got things from Washington, D.C. in there. And like, you know, you've had a long stay and they put extra pillows in there for you. Yeah. That's personalization. It makes you feel special. It makes you feel special. And specialness makes people buy because buying is an emotion. It's not, a, you know, it can be logical. It can be a business decision, too. But most of the times buying starts off at an emotional stage mm-hmm. and you're playing on the person's emotion, regardless of who you are. It doesn't matter if you're B2B or B2C. The the thing is, there's still a human on the other end of that, right? Yeah. And they want to feel like you care. Yeah, exactly. So now that we kind of know a little bit more about Sunlane and what it is and what we do, and also what's really cool, I think, sitting here listening to you is that the CEO of Sunlane not only you know knows what the platform does, knows how to build it, and knows how to run the company, but yeah. you also know how to use it Yeah, because you've used it for yourself. Yep. So I feel like that gives you an additional amount of clout. Yeah, I think it's the practitioner side of me, right? Yeah. I love it. I still consult for it. I still teach people how to do it. I think that being a practitioner will always keep you fresh. But the bigger part is as you're looking at your product, as you're looking at the journey, you can kind of foresee what happens. One of the biggest problems I always laugh at is because we've always been limited on budget and not been able to grow as fast as part of being a startup, we're trying to push as fast as we can. Mm-hmm. We've had some of the coolest ideas that come to light just maybe six months to a year before we're able to get to it. Uh, and it's just a problem that we have. Like, that's why I won't really truly share like where the next big iteration will go out on uh-huh. public because I have an idea and I'm like, no one's going to build it. No one even has thought about it because these people don't think like this because most people build products because they think they're solving a solution. Gotcha. So you know? that was actually going to, I was going to try to get into like, no, where is you know, going, I, I can tell you, go there. I can tell you at the high level where we're going. It's all going to be about, I mean, I don't want to use these as keywords or buzzwords or whatever, but we want to get into machine learning and we want to learn how to be a true marketing enablement platform. So there's two ways to look at it. You can either be uh, something you're nice to have or you may become a drug, right? We want to figure out how to become a drug when you're thinking about it. Meaning like you won't be able to get away from us because we will have something that nobody else does and it'll make your life 
easier, mm-hmm. right? So that's where we continue to think about how we evolve as a platform. Obviously, we're still not there yet, but once we get into the place where we start building differentiation, a true differentiation, I think that the way we're thinking about it already is way light years far further ahead than anybody in our market right now. And the pure fact and reason is, is that they just aren't practitioners. They yeah. weren't sending emails. They weren't sending millions and billions of emails before they owned their own email marketing company. They did it because, hey, email marketing sounds like a great company builder. You know, it's, I mean, most of the guys and the founders out there, yeah, some of them, I'm a blogger. I build an email marketing company. Okay, right? Mm-hmm. But how are you different than any other company when you don't have that deep, deeper mindset of what actually happens and what the goals are past sending a newsletter or a drip campaign? You yeah, know? exactly. So I think, I guess, since you can't exactly tell us what is coming or what features are launching per se, what do you think is most enticing for listeners to just look at Zenlane to take a peek at our platform. Yeah, I think I think if we're looking at our platform itself, the number one thing you'll kind of really experience is the ease of use. That's yeah. what we try to always drive it's really towards. Clean. It's actually funny that story relates back to even the first battle of the biggest titans. So if you think about Constant Contact and Mailchimp, those are the oldest legacy players in the world. Okay, mm-hmm. and if you actually know their story, it's actually really cool. And I'm I'm sure I'm botching this, so I forgive me if you're from either of the companies and I'm messing this up. But the story goes basically: Constant Contact grew. They were the first. They were out there. Growing growing but they had a horrible user experience they didn't have an easy to use platform and they went public and they didn't do very well because they were going public and they couldn't move fast enough so a private company came and bought him and at that same time MailChimp back in 2000 2001 was coming up and they built this easy to use platform that wasn't as complicated and solved it and they were able to come there and basically take tremendous market share from them and so that story always relates to us as well too because as we look at other platforms and as we look at what other people are using it's always interesting to us because we're like okay we see why they did it that way well could we do it better can we make it easier for a person right this stuff shouldn't require like people like to look at things that are pretty yeah people love that like even with iphones yeah like i feel like that's why iphones were so initially so appealing because they're kind of like the pretty phone yeah. but they're also easy to use yeah i mean it's perception and value when it comes to design right yeah. so it's all about that so i think that's been where we've focused a lot of like how easy it is to use and then how clean and awesome does it look and how are you proud to be using that platform or does it look like it came out of 1999 and it looks archaic or maybe you haven't changed your ui in 20 years and you look like something but unfortunately life changes and moves forward so i think that's the number one thing when you when you look at it obviously features and product and all the other things support are yeah. all important parts to it but that's where the first thing that the first impression that they get from it yeah right when you right when you log in right when you see it you'll have a pretty clear understanding of where things are and even if you don't like you already said there's literally chat support available every minute of the day yep so with that said definitely check out Sendlane. we have a 14 day free trial no credit card required it's totally free so you can jump in there start playing around test out our support test out our automations build some emails check out our different integrations and see if it's a good fit for your business so i I think that pretty much wraps this episode up okay you think uh yeah i think that's unless there's anything i'm just trying to think if there's anything no i think i think this kind of shares about what we're thinking about as a company and i know it's not about the story of the company which is great because i think we covered that last episode Mm -hmm. i think that uh, that's why i kind of wanted to yeah kind of share actual platform yeah exactly and i think that's really cool that you did that and um 
yeah, I don't really think I have anything else. I think that kind of gives it to it. And of course, you know, they should email you questions and find out, of course. Yeah, too, for so. sure. If you have any questions or any recommendations or anything that you think you'd love to hear on this podcast, definitely shoot me an email to caitlin at sendlane.com, C-A-I-T-L-I-N. I know there's a lot of ways to spell it, at sendlane.com. And I will definitely get back to you. So happy automating, everybody.